Good morning, everybody. Man, I, um, I told Stephen I, I could, we could have like finished up and had an altar call right after his little message there. That was, um, that was God's word. That was good stuff there, man. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. And he is so true in that, that um, there is so much supernatural power involved when we engage in worship and when we give our hearts over to him and when we, we, are, we are truly focused on who he is as our God and as our Savior and as our provider and and everything that he is, it's, um, it's amazing what begins to happen and how the atmosphere begins to change, how our attitude begins to change. And, and in, the, in that vein, we've been talking about um, the power of giving over the last month. And so I see some new faces that maybe haven't been part of kind of the whole thing, but don't worry, you know, I'll give you a kind of a good on-ramp for it this morning. And, and, uh, but I would encourage you, if, if today kind of interests you and you'd like to hear more, you can go online, you can go to... Um, our website, and there's links to our YouTube page, and, and all of our sermons are archived on there. Um, so I would encourage you to go back and maybe watch that. Um, I think we're even like on a blog somewhere on, the, on audio, so you can see Josh on that, because I don't know, we're out there in the interest web somewhere out there. So, But, um, but here's, here's kind of a, a recap of where we've gone with this. And so we're talking about the power of giving, but it's not just giving financially. Like, we're talking about more than just giving financially, but financially is part of it. But in week one, we dove into Galatians chapter six, verse seven, and we saw the law of the harvest. And we saw how um, God is telling us through Paul writing to the Galatians, he's telling us that we're gonna reap more than we sow. Um, he's telling us that we're gonna reap, I'm sorry, that we're gonna reap what we sow. So what we plant is what we're gonna get out of it. If you're planting apple seeds, you're gonna get an orange tree out of it, Right? No, you're going to get an apple tree out of it, right? So what, what you're planting is what you're getting. If you're planting um, grace to the people around you, what you're going to get back is grace toward you. If you're planting unforgiveness to the people around you, there's just going to be this heartache and this unforgiveness that comes back to you. It's the law of the nature. It works in nature, um, but it also works in the spiritual realm as well and just in, in life in general. So we reap what we sow. And, and then we also saw that we reap more than we sow. Um, when you plant an apple seed, you don't just get an apple out of it, right? You get a tree with a bunch of apples on it. And the same thing goes for us, what we're planting in our lives and the, the things that we're leaving and the things that we're depositing into the world around us, we're going to get more out of it than that. So, And then lastly, we looked at we're going to reap later than we sow. When you plant that apple seed, boom, it doesn't just automatically sprout up an apple tree. And the same is true with us as well. On the positive and on the negative, all of these work in both directions. So if you're planting unforgiveness in the world around you and you're just planting this harshness and this meanness to the people around you, you might not get those results right away. But according to the law of the harvest, we're gonna reap what we sow. We're gonna reap more than what we sow and it's gonna come at a later time than when we're sowing it. So, um, and then the same is true on the positive side. We're, we're planting with our lives grace, and we're planting with our lives, you know, kindness to the people around us. We're going to see that come back into our life. I had two action steps for you. I asked you to ask yourself, what am I sowing with my life? Simple question, a little harder to answer, but what am I sowing with my life? What am I planting with my life? What kind of legacy am I leaving, maybe, might be another way to ask it. And then I asked you to ask yourself another question in relation to this, and it was a lead-in, a segue to the next week, but where am I primarily spending my money and my time? Because, the, because God's word tells us that, that, you know, that's a good indicator of where our heart is at. Where, where is our heart going? Where is the direction of our heart going? And that question also answers, helps to answer the first question. 
Um, a lot of times where our time is going and where our money is going, that's a good indication of what we're planting with our life or what we're sowing with our life. Um, the, the next week, in week two, we looked at Malachi chapter three. Um, the, the nation of Israel was in a, a pretty bad place at this point. Um, they had come back into Jerusalem from being in exile, and they were in a position where they thought they were going to come back to their home, back to the place where their true worship was at, and they were going to receive the blessings of God. But that's not what they found. They found themselves um, a nation of injustice toward each other, to the people around them. They were not following God's you know, instructions for worship. They were just in a really, really bad place physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And they were kind of like, oh, we don't know why. Well, God spoke through the prophet Malachi and gave them some instructions, some exhortations, and some discipline through the book of Malachi. And in chapter three, he gets to kind of the heart of the matter, and it's really about a dependence upon God. They weren't trusting in God as Jehovah God as their provider and as the one that they should depend solely on. And he said, hey, a good indicator about that is you're holding back your finances. Well, not just maybe finances, but you're holding back your offerings. You're holding back the things that God had said to bring into what they called at that time the storehouse or you know, kind of a way that we can interpret that and, and that we could look at that is our local church. He said, you're not giving back in. He said, so therefore, that's an indication that you're not dependent upon God. You're not trusting in him, but you're trusting in your own reliance. You're trusting in your own resources. And he says, and when that happens, everything gets off kilter. It gets off base. We, we gleaned a couple of truths from that text that God has created a system to help us depend upon him. That system is through tithes and offerings. Tithe just means a tenth, a tenth of what it is that God has provided to you. Back in the biblical times, it was their livestock and their, their fruits of their harvest, that type of thing. And he's like, hey, bring a tenth of that back into the storehouse. And then the people and those that have been you know, given the ability to work within their temple, you know, the Levites were at that tribe. They were told not to have jobs, but that they would be provided for by the storehouse. He says, when you receive your crops and your, your, you know, your things, your agriculture, he says, bring a tenth back and then everything will be fine. Everything will be provided for. So he had that system that he created. And then offerings, it's just something special's coming up and your heart's tugged toward that and you want to give toward that. Um, he said, God's created a system for that. And then secondly, you know, we gleaned the truth that God blesses us when we cheerfully give not in a prosperity type way. This is not that type of you give and God's gonna give back type thing. You know, you, know, you give $100 and God gives you a Mercedes. You give $1,000 and God gives you a Tesla. It's not like that. That's not this type of blessing system. Instead, the blessing is really we begin to rely more on him. We begin to fully see him as provider and as a dependent upon him, which that's his desire. He said to the Old Testament you know, to the, the, the very first time he's getting the people of Israel together, he says, look, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the rest of the world. He didn't say, I'm going to bless you so that you can get and get and get and build it up and build it up and build it up. He's like, I'm going to allow you, the church, my people to be a conduit to the rest of the world. And when you do that, the rest of the world is going to recognize you as the true God, as Jehovah. So we, we're blessed when we cheerfully give. We're blessed and we become dependent upon him in that way. We had a couple of action steps. Is I asked you to prayerfully consider tithing. If you're, if you're in a place where you're not tithing, I asked you to prayerfully consider that. Secondly is, is I said, if, you've, if you're not in that place and you want to take 
that step, and but you're, you know, but you're kind of one of those, well, I want to test drive it type thing. I said, if you, if you sign up with me and say, hey, listen, I'll test it out for three months, and you get to the end of three months, and you're like, it's all hooey, I don't believe in it, I don't see anything out of it, we'll give you your money back. I just asked you, hey, it's a money back guarantee. Try it, you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. But I did say this, that I know that God's so much in the middle of it, that, in, that if you're doing it out of the heart that God's asked you to do it out of, that's a safe bet for us because, because you're gonna receive God's blessings. You're gonna see how you are beginning to depend upon him. I, I, if you came to me in three months and you're like, hey, I want my money back, uh, there's a bigger conversation I think we need to have. And, and I, would, I would say maybe, maybe we're at a place where maybe your heart's not in the right place with God in this area, but take our money back guarantee. Paul said, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We looked at 1 Thessalonians last week, and we found that, we found that sometimes life can get tough, and sometimes life can seem impossible. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard to love our life. You know, sometimes, sometimes we get to a place where we, we evaluate our life and we're like, yeah, I don't really like it. Like, I, I, I'm not where I hoped I would be. I'm not who I hoped I'd be. I don't like the person, you know, that I am or I don't like the place I work. I mean, sometimes it's so easy to focus on the negatives of our life and kind of arrive at a place where we're not real pleased or we're not loving it very much. And we looked at in 1 Thessalonians through that verse of always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in our circumstances, he says, for this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It, you know, I, I believe in that. We're finding that God desires for us to love our life because it becomes really hard for us to be a people that are known for giving when we're not real happy with our life, when we're not real happy with, with who we are, or where we're at, or those types of things. But God said, listen, I've come to give you abundant life. I've come to give you a life of abundance. I've come to give you all that you need to be who I've asked you to be. And when that happens, we should be at a place where we love our life, regardless of the circumstances, like regardless of the external things that's kind of hitting us or coming at us or the things that we don't maybe like so much or not real joyful about, like, like that shouldn't like define or, or set the scope for how much we love or hate our life. But, but it does, you know, when we're kind of just going through life on our own and we're kind of depending on ourselves and it becomes really easy to say, well, I love life now, you know, because everything's great and good, but then when hardships come or hard times come or something bad, well, I don't really love life now. You know, we kind of live the Instagram life. Even if you're not a social media person, we kind of do that, you know. When things are great, it's hashtag best life ever. You know, when things are bad, it's hashtag, you know, everything sucks. But it shouldn't be like that. Like, we should, we should like, reach a place where there is a consistency in the love that we have for our life. And so Paul gave us some secrets there. And the first one was, is to choose joy. And in that is to form a joy habit, like to form a habit of choosing joy. You know, a habit is just choosing something and, and just kind of like where you, you know, where it happens. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to like necessarily like put a lot of energy toward it. It just happens. And so we need to choose joy. And out of that is we need to form a joy habit. Secondly, is we need to never stop praying. Like, I don't mean like, you know, you're like praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but you need to have an open line of communication with God at all times. I used Brother Lawrence, an old monk, as an example of that. He was a cook in a monastery, but he spent all day long while he was doing his things in an open line of communication with God. 
thankfulness or, you know, you know, coming to God if he was upset or coming to God if he was down or tired or hurting or, but there was just this open line of communication. I use the example of, you know, like when you were a teenager and maybe this is so much more for us 40 year olds and up, but when you were a teenager and you had the girlfriend and you had the phone, you know, at the, in your room and like, and you had to stay on the line for hours on end with your girlfriend because it was like you, you had to have an open line of communication, you know, whatever you wanted to talk about or whatever it was that, you know, that was there. And it's just like, that's need to have that open line of communication with God. And out of that is we need to develop a prayer habit. I used an example of I just have a notebook and I just started writing prayers down and every morning I open up the notebook and it reminds me of all the people that I need to be praying for and all the needs and all the things. And I tell you what, by the time I get to the end of it, it's like, man, we have got to rely on you, God. I mean, it comes back to the point of we can do everything right on Sunday morning and, and have great coffee and have great welcome things and have great music. But at the end of the day, God, these things can only be answered by you. And so that's, you know, it's really kind of creating this dependence upon him and creating a prayer habit. Secondly, as I said, we got to be grateful, or lastly, we got to be grateful in everything. I don't know about you, but it's so easy to kind of go down the road of kind of griping instead of grateful. I mean, it is. You know, this, this past week, I was in San Francisco for work, and we went into a restaurant and I'm about customer service. I grew up, you know, in the old school Publix days where it was customer service was everything. And so, I, you know, I, I'm, I look at everything through the lens of customer service. And so we walk into this restaurant, and we were in a rich place in San Francisco. It was Southeastern's dime, so we don't have to worry about it. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but we go into this ritzy place, and it's, you know, it is. It's kind of, I mean, there was nothing that was just normal. It was all ritzy. So we go into one that's less ritzy. And, and I'm thinking, okay, well, man, customer service is going to be off the charts, it wasn't. It was like they expected us to do everything and know everything. And, you know, I mean, and it was, we sat there and then they, we, you know, it was just, it was ridiculous. And I felt myself like getting more and more like wanting to gripe, more and more like not wanting to be thankful and more and more not wanting to be grateful. And, and it just takes a moment to kind of take a deep breath and go, man, I'm in this beautiful city. I'm not paying for this. I'm about to eat a nice meal. And, and so it's that idea of, hey, instead of choosing to immediately go to the gripe, let's immediately go to the grateful. And so we got to work on a gratitude habit. And I just said, hey, listen, every morning, if this is something you struggle with, or if, it's in a, if you're in a place where it's like, no, I'm like not grateful about anything right now, get up in the morning and write down all the stupid, simple things that you should be grateful for. The fact that you flipped the light switch and lights came on. The fact that, you know, after you went to the bathroom, you were able to flush the toilet and it went away. And you could probably even put toilet paper in there and it went away. I mean, because like most of the world, you can't do that. And so, you know, all those little things that your car started, that you had gas, that, you know, you had a job to go to, that you had a driveway to park your car in. And I mean, just all those little simple things begin to just write them down or thank God for them. And, and it'll only take a few minutes before you realize, man, I am a real bonehead for the things that I'm griping about because I've got so much more to be thankful for. So, I say all that to say this. We're closing out our giving series this week talking about something that, that might seem a little out of kilter with what we're talking about, but about conflict. And, and this is really important because, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about we're going to reap more than we sow and the law of the harvest. And we've talked about giving, you know, of our finances because really that becomes down to a heart matter of are we really truly depending upon him because our finances so much are tied to dependence and power. And, and then we talked about like, 
you know, loving our life because it's so important. If we're not in a place where we can love our life, it's hard to be a person that's giving. And then today we're looking at this idea of conflict because not, there's not one person in here that can avoid conflict. I mean, it, it comes at us all the time, every day, every month, every, every year. I mean, it's like you can't go a few days or even a day without some type of conflict. So how does, how does this relate to giving? And, and here's what it is. Instead of giving back conflict, we should give a blessing. It, it, we're gonna dive into this a little bit, but give a blessing instead of giving back conflict. Because it's so easy to kind of go like insult for insult, isn't it? I mean, I think that's our natural response, and we're gonna look at that. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter three. And this is where we're gonna get our passage for today. 1 Peter chapter three, we're gonna look at verse eight. So here again, let me set the stage. Peter is writing to the early church. And so much of these writings to the early church are encouraging them, teaching them, helping them to walk out this life with Christ because this was new. This was new for those that were Gentiles that were coming in that had worshiped multiple gods or no gods. This was new for the Jews that were coming in that were new Christians because they are stepping away from a set system and rules and commands of doing things that for centuries had been done that way. And now they're, now they're depending upon Christ. They're depending upon a new set of maybe kind of rules that's written more on their heart than on tablets. And so they're trying to pull these two cultures and these peoples together, and they're, they're working this out in a community and in a place that's somewhat hostile to this. And, and it, it's just, it's a, a very neat time in history. And these writers of the New Testament are encouraging these folks. Hey, keep going. You're, you're going in the right direction. This is worth it. Hey, rely on Christ because that's where you get your strength, you know? Listen, you don't have to keep doing these old bad habits and these things that are drawing you away from Christ or that are, that are not, you know, treating people well. Like, this whole system is coming into play, and Peter is speaking into this, and he's, he's kind of here at the end of this letter to them, and he's you know, I love how kind of Paul and Peter and some of these writers can kind of, they're kind of like me. You know, it's like I have a conversation with you, but then as we're conversing, like there's more things that come to my mind and I'm like, oh yeah, and then there's this. And, and you know, and the conversation's dying down, but there, I want to throw a couple more things in there. And that's kind of where we're at. And Peter says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. There's, a, there's an idea of unity here. There's an idea of ohana here that we should be of one mind. We should all be going in the same direction, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of our history, regardless of the things that's individually going on in our life, we should be going in one mind and in one place, and that's toward Christ. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. That whole idea of ohana, that it's, it's not just me individually and God, but it's us and God. It's us as a body, as brothers and sisters, as, as a unified body. And then here's where it starts getting difficult. <laughs> be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when insults. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That's our key verse. That's our key part of this today. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. We should give a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and He will grant you His blessing. Let me read it one more time and just listen to this. Finally, all of you should be in one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. 
Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Now, I don't know about you. That does not necessarily sound like the world around us right now, does it? I mean, maybe there's pockets of it, but as a whole, like when you think about the world around us right now, I mean, just think about a social media post. You can just post something out there, and within minutes, you can have insults, you can have complaining, you can have you know, negative comments, positive comments. I mean, it becomes this storm of not this. And the same thing begins to happen in life. Like, disagreement has been thrown out the window at this point. I mean, there, you're not allowed anymore, it seems, to disagree on a topic because, well, everyone should get along, but no one gets along. So it's this dichotomy of kind of what is actually going on. But Peter is addressing it here, and he's addressing it to those that are Christians. So like what we saw last week in the verse, if you call yourself a Christian, there should be a difference in how you respond to the world around you and how you respond to the people around you. So to me, when I read this, I say, I probably should respond differently than maybe those that are outside of faith. I I, I probably am being held to what looks like a higher standard than maybe the rest of the world. And that's okay. But I know in my own heart, sometimes I like to push back up against that. Because it's like, well, hang on, don't tell me what to do. I I, want to respond the way I want to respond. But Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us that's not how that works when we call ourselves and we give ourselves over to Christ. So here's a couple things. He gives us some steps, I think, in this. The first one is to be aware of the natural response to conflict. This is important because when we're aware of the natural response, it, it, becomes, it becomes easier for us to respond rightly if we know what the natural response is. Now, I'm speaking in generalities. This might not be you, you know, and you might be like, well, that's not the case all the time, and it might not be, but in generalities, I think our natural response to conflict is to dig our heels in, to automatically become defensive, to automatically, like, stand our ground and automatically want to argue our point. You know, let's say someone walks up to you and punches you in the gut, and this might be different depending on just maybe your natural self, but what's your next response? I don't know about you, but I'm probably going to start swinging back. (laughs) I mean, maybe you're in a different, you know, sense or a different attitude about that, but I mean, I think our natural response generally is insult for insult. And and again, I said generalities, we're speaking generally, but insult for insult, I think, is kind of how the world looks at, you know, conflict. And this is one reason because we're in a broken world. We've got to understand that. It's not just because we're bad people, but I believe it's because we're in a broken world. We're in a world that is individualistic. We're in a world that is stand my ground. We're in a world that is like, I need to get my point across. And so because of that, when conflict begins to happen, it becomes insult for insult. Just think about the last time you had conflict or even just the last argument, maybe with your spouse or a friend or a coworker. I mean, it, you know, you can, kind of, you can kind of begin to dissect it if you think about it, and you really kind of play back that, and you're like, oh, yeah, they said that, and then I said that because I didn't like what they said, and so it kind of becomes this tit for tat. 
One of the wise proverb authors said that life and death are in the tongue. So we can bring life or we can bring death by the things that we say and the way that we say them. You know, this recognition of understanding our natural response to conflict is important um, because if we know that the punch is coming, then it's a whole lot easier to move out of the way or to um, understand where that punch is coming from. When there's conflict in your life, know that it's, it's the, that the desire to respond with insults there and it naturally wants to rise up. Even if you kind of find yourself as a person that's more even keel and you wouldn't be the person to punch back at that punch to the gut, just know that there's something in there that at the right insult, insult's going to come back. Maybe just that doesn't push your button, but you push the right button and insult generally comes back. So our second step, if we know that, if we know that insult for insult is kind of the natural response to conflict, the second step is instead of giving insult, give a blessing. You know, we see this right in the passage from what Peter wrote. You know, he, he says that when everything just goes bad, when it all hits the fan and when insults hurled your way, to not respond like you would naturally want to, but instead throw a blessing bomb at them. <laughs> That's not, my, that's not Peter's words, that's my words. But I think that's probably what he would have said if it was 2019. I mean, here's the deal. We still get to throw something at the person, <laughs> right? I mean, like they're insulting you. You still get to throw something at them. But instead of insult, instead of coming back with hurtful things, we're throwing a blessing at them. Now, the original words for blessing actually meant, it was a couple of words that come together and it really meant like good words. A blessing is just good words. And, and in that, it's like, okay, well, well, what does that look like? Like, like instead of somebody's insulting me and conflict's coming at, back at me, you know, insult might just be words that kind of, you know, bring the temperature down of the conversation, bring the temperature down of, of the interaction that's going on. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not even what we say in the moment, but maybe it's, it's just how we react or maybe what we don't say in the moment. And, and this one's huge. And we don't have enough time to talk all about conflict resolution, but, but I just believe it's very important that we begin to recognize that, that God is in the midst of this and God wants to help us to respond rightly to conflict because you will experience it. You might even experience it in the car on the way home, but you'll definitely experience it later today. And I'm sure you'll experience it tomorrow when you go to work. I know I will. And here's the deal, we're not always gonna get it right. And that's okay because we're a work in progress and Christ is working in us and through us. He's working out all of this as we go along. And so, but it's a recognition of the allowance of letting him work in us through this to where that power begins to come in, to where grace begins to enter in these conversations. And I mean, if you just kind of throw this off and you're like, yeah, it doesn't apply to me. You know, I believe that these con conflict-type situations will rise and rise, and they'll get more and more intense. But I believe if it's a case where you're allowing God to work in you, you're stumbling through it at times, you're doing good, you're kind of, you're kind of falling at times, but you're trying and you're putting that effort toward it, that I believe that God begins to work in that and that grace begins to enter into these conflict times. And, it just, and it's just something supernatural as God begins to work this out in you. And you'll begin to see more and more wins, and then you'll begin to see, hey, I need to really trust in God on this situation. A blessing would be something that lifts a person up instead of tearing them down in that moment. 
Even if, even if what they did to you, even if, even if what they did to you was tear you down, and I know in, in my case, like if someone says something or there's conflict going on where they begin to tear me down, I immediately want to begin tearing them back down because it's like, no, 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 you're not going to tear me down and me not get a punch in here. But imagine how it changes the temperature and changes the escalation of things when we begin to allow Christ to work in us and say, you know, I'm going to build you up instead of tear you down. Imagine what begins to happen in that moment. I mean, just imagine through husbands and wives what this would look like. Instead of, instead of the idea of tearing each other down with arguments, imagine building each other up the next time that there's conflict that exists. And not in a condescending way, but in a, in a real way of where this is the most important person on this planet to you. Why would I want to tear this person down? But our natural response is that, right? Like, you've hurt me, you've injured me, I'm gonna injure you back. And I know that you, you, you were not thinking that way in that moment, but that's exactly the heart of it. That's exactly where it comes to. And Peter was telling the people, look, that's not how we as Christians should act. I know that's naturally where we wanna go, but that's not how we should do this. Jesus chose to give a blessing instead of heap insult back on the people that caused him conflict. I mean, we look at the passion of Christ, those last three days of his life, I mean, that's all he received, wasn't it? Was conflict. They tore him down physically. They tore him down emotionally. They tore, him, they tore his character down. And he did not respond naturally the way that we would on this earth. Said he blessed them. See, he, he promised one, you know, life after death in paradise. He asked the Father to forgive them because they really didn't even know what they were doing. And so that, that tells me that in this sin-ridden world, like there are times we're tearing people down and we really don't even understand maybe what we're doing in that moment. We're just protecting ourselves. We're just protecting our nature and we're just protecting you know, who we are. But God's saying in that moment, hey, let me fight the battle. Let me protect you. Let me be in the midst of this. So there are some requirements Though in order for us to be able to return a blessing instead of an insult, there's some things that's, that to where our heart needs to be because this is not easy. This is not one of those things where it's like, all right, get out there and begin to start doing it. It's hard. It's very hard. It's very hard to consistently do it. It's even hard to do it once. So there's some requirements of where we kind of need to allow God to put our heart so that this can begin to happen. First thing is we need to have the right attitude. Oh, gosh the hardest one right off the bat. Like, we need to be, the, we need to be in the right attitude. Like, in, in the right attitude, one of, one of the places where our right attitude is is, is we just need to be in a place where, where we have grace, where we're choosing grace over everything else. We're, we're, we are looking at the people above, uh, around us and saying, hey, I'm gonna put your needs above my needs. Like, I, I'm looking at you and I'm saying, hey, listen, the, the hate that's coming out of your mouth you are still created in the image of Christ. And God is still wanting to redeem you through, the, through Christ. And so, you know, when we begin to have the right attitude about the people around us, um, you know, that helps. I mean, n never go into a moment of conflict if you're hungry or if you're tired or if you're aggravated. You know, like if you know you've got to walk into a, con a, a, a situation that has conflict in it, never go into it with one of those because your attitude's already in the wrong place. You know, if you, if you know you have to go into conflict, make sure you're, you're, you know, you're not hungry. Make sure you're not tired. Make sure you know, you just, you're not grumpy that day. And sometimes conflict just happens and you have no control over what's going on around you.
And so having that right attitude helps. Secondly is we've got to be intentional about this. Like we can't just, this just didn't gonna happen by like us just kind of like being, you know, pixie powder coming over us. Like, like we've got to be intentional about this. We've got to be intentional about being in God's word. We've got to be intentional about spending time in worship. We've got to be intentional about putting our hearts in the place where we can have the right attitude. And then lastly is we've got to be dependent upon God. I mean, we see this coming up over and over and over through this idea of the power of giving being dependent upon God. He, and, and here's the thing is, he gives us everything that we have. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Everything that you have and everything that you feel like you're building, it's all from him anyway. So when we're dependent upon him, then it becomes so much easier for us to give because we know, hey, it's not mine anyway. It's coming from him. This, this past week, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a leader. Like, I, if you put me in a group of a few people, I'm going to naturally kind of step out and lead. I'm going to naturally kind of, you know, drive the conversation. I'm going to naturally kind of drive where we go to eat or where we go. I mean, that's just in my nature. But this past week, I had to be dependent upon my boss and my boss's boss. I wasn't paying for anything. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even have my own boarding, like I did once, once it was released to me. But it's like, I didn't even book the trip. I didn't do, like, I was fully dependent upon these guys for everything. We even rented a car and it had child lock on. I couldn't even open my own door. <laughs> but it really gave me a sense of this is how we should live in light of our Heavenly Father. Like I, I would, we would walk into a restaurant and, and I had to look to Jerry because Jerry was the one paying. When, when we were going somewhere, I, I had to look to them and go, well, what time are we leaving? When, are we, when do we have to be there? Well, I was fully dependent upon them but there was a peace in that. I didn't have to worry. I, I didn't have to stress. I, I, didn't have to, I didn't have to worry if that transaction was gonna make my account go negative. Or, or, and, and here's the deal. When we live in a dependence upon him, there is an absolute peace that washes over us. Mentally, physically, emotionally. Like We are allowed to live the best life that he has for us. We're allowed to give from every source that he wants us to give from because we are fully dependent upon him and there is a true peace that only he can bring that comes into our lives. So as I finish up, when we choose to give a blessing back instead of giving an insult, Peter tells us that there's something that comes back to us. And I don't know if you've caught this theme either through this, but as we give, there's something that comes back to us. There's blessings that come back to us. There's, there's power that comes back to us. There's a, a peace that comes back to us. And here's, here's what Peter tells us as we give a blessing instead of an old insult. Here's what comes back to us. A blessing comes back to us. A good word comes back to us. We are, we are lifted up in a way. We are blessed in a way. We are, we are once again, like the, the weight's taken off our shoulders and we're lifted up. He says, you'll enjoy life. If you continue reading the passage, he goes on and he says, like, your days will be long. You'll enjoy life. Like, there, there is a true extension of what we talked about last week in that this, there's a secret that comes from giving into how we can love and enjoy our life. And lastly, he says, God's favor will be with you. God's favor will be with you. Moses, in a conversation with, with the Lord, you know, he was... He was 
beat down and stressed, and he had these, you know, three million people tagging along with him that were grumbling and complaining every step of the way, and they wanted to go back to Egypt to slavery, then they wanted to do this, and then they, wanted, they didn't want to eat the, the, the food that was coming down from heaven. They didn't like it anymore. I mean, they were just a bunch of complainers and gripers, and Moses was just like, I've had enough. God, what? And God's like, no, you need to continue. You need to keep going. And, and Moses makes this amazing comment to God. He says, not without you. He's like, ah, I don't want to take another step without you. Because he knew that it was only with God going with him, one, that he could have the peace and the power and, the, and the, you know, the emotional stability that he needed to continue that walk. And then he knew, too, that like, if, if they didn't go with God, that they would be totally annihilated by the world around them if God's hand wasn't on them. I mean, I don't want to be eat up by this world because that's what's wanting it to, you know, that's what it's wanting to do. You know, I, I, I keep referring back to this week in San Francisco, but it was beautiful, beautiful city, beautiful place, but I also saw some of the worst homelessness I've ever seen in my life. And... And that's what the world's wanting to do to us. It's wanting to rip us of all of our dignity. And I say the world. I mean, that's what, that's what the enemy, that's what Satan's wanting to do through us, or to us through this world. It's wanting to rip us of everything that God would want to provide for us. And when we try so hard in our own strength, and we're not giving, we are not a giving people, giving of our finances, of our time, of our talents, of, of blessings, like when we're not giving, that's exactly what the world wants to do to us. It wants to bottle us up so tightly that we think that it's all about us, and it's not. I want God's favor to go with me. I want him to go with you. I want him to go with us. Let's be a people that gives. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for, thank you for challenging us and not letting us just live comfortably. Thank you for calling us to a point where you want us to grow. There's no growth that doesn't happen without stress. There's no growth that doesn't happen without some type of kind of tearing down and some kind of rebuilding. And so as we grow, give us the grace we need to allow you to tear out what needs to be torn out, shake what needs to be shaken, to rebuild what needs to be rebuilt. Father, change our minds and our attitudes and our hearts and help us to be a people that gives of everything that you've given to us. Help us to give that back. I love you, praise you, in Jesus' name.